week in sport history. January 15, 1997, Chicago Bulls forward Dennis Rodman kicks cameraman Eugene Amos in the groin during a game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. With 3.46 left in the third quarter, Tom Gugliotta missed a free throw and Rodman and Kevin Garnett began fighting for the rebound. Along the way, Rodman ended up in the row of cameramen before lashing out at Amos. Amos looked okay before collapsing into a heap and being stretched off. The whole reason for Rodman lashing out was because he stepped on a camera and was annoyed at how close the camera was and the potential for injury. And let me tell you, this guy hammed it up like he was Neymar. Amos, <laughs> Amos pressed charges against Robin for intent to assault with the possibility of fifth-degree assault charges and jail time. Robin agreed to pay Amos $200,000 out of court. The charges were dropped. The league then suspended Robin without pay for 11 games, with the whole incident costing him about $1.1 million. The most amazing thing about this whole incident, though, is that Robin didn't even get hit with a technical foul for the outburst. Compare that to the time Tim Duncan was ejected for laughing on the bench. <laughs> it makes no sense. All oh, those quick fire texts last week as well that we talked about. Yes. Yeah. Oh, as a major Robin fan as a kid, this one, I just couldn't defend. Nah. It was, no. I hated this one. It really was bad. Yeah. January 17th, 1988, the Denver Broncos defeated the Cleveland Browns 38 to 33 in the AFC Championship at Mile High Stadium in Denver in a finish featuring one of the most infamous plays of all time. In fact, according to NFL Films, what has been dubbed the fumble was actually voted the second worst play in NFL history behind only the Seahawks' choice to pass rather than hand off to Marshawn Lynch against the Patriots in that famous Super Bowl. Why? Anyways, back to this one. <laughs> Browns running back Ernest Biner had a chance to bring Cleveland within a point with just a minute 12 remaining as he bullied his way towards the end zone but blew it when he fumbled the football at the three-yard line. Now, Denver had the best home record of any team in the league over the previous four years, and by halftime had built a 21-3 lead. But the Browns slowly fought their way back, and late in the third quarter, Biner scored on a 32-yard pass completion, and then again on a four-yard rush for consecutive touchdowns to bring it back to a four-point game. The game seesawed a bit in the fourth, but ultimately, a Sammy Winder touchdown would prove the difference prior to Biner's fumble. Interestingly, though, Broncos head coach Dan Reeves, may he rest in peace, he recently passed instructed punter Mike Horan to take an intentional safety rather than punt out of his own end zone, meaning that the Browns did actually have one last chance, but the Hail Mary was unsuccessful. The biggest shame of all of this, though, is that if it weren't for Brunner's Herculean efforts prior to the fumble, we wouldn't even be talking about this, which is partly why some dispute it being the second worst play ever. Brunner had 187 total yards from scrimmage for the game to go along with two touchdowns and teammate Webster Slaughter was meant to have blocked the Jeremiah Castile tackle who got the strip and caused the fumble. Super Bowl XXII would take place two weeks later with the Broncos being absolutely pummeled by the then Washington Redskins 42-10 despite going in as favourites, thanks largely to a 35 to nothing second quarter. It was the Broncos' second Super Bowl loss in two years and they would lose 55-10 two years later as well, with Elway seemingly always being the bridesmaid but he did finally get his fairy tale breaking through for wins in both 97 and 1998. They, of course, also won in 2016. It wasn't all bad news for Biner, though, who was traded to those same Washington Redskins and was a part of their Super Bowl 26 winning team in 1992. I actually watched a 10-minute video with Biner reliving that whole game. And you can see that even 30 years on, it still pains him so much. It, I mean, you would probably still struggle to look at footage of that, but oh... Yeah, well, when you think about it, I mean, I, I still struggle with the Spurs loss to the Heat, and I'm just a fan. Mm. So and Walter Payton famously didn't get a touchdown run in the 85 Super Bowl, and he's still to his last day 
was was lamenting that fact. So yeah. January 18th, 1983. Now we have spoken a bit about this one on a previous This Week in Sport, but this is the resolution of an issue we spoke about. So the IOC officially restores Jim Thorpe's 1912 Olympic gold medals from the pentathlon and decathlon 70 years after he was stripped of them for being paid $25 in a semi-pro baseball game. Unfortunately, this was just shy of 30 years after he passed away, so he was actually never able to enjoy them. I'm not sure if we mentioned this, though. Thorpe was actually the first Native American to win an Olympic gold medal and one of the most versatile athletes of all time. On top of winning the gold medals, he also played professional baseball, collegiate and professional football, including three championships with the Canton Bulldogs. In fact, in 1907, he walked past a track in Carlisle and beat all the school's high jumpers in street clothes. (laughs) Thankfully, though, the IOC was able to right this wrong. It's just such a shame when these things happen after posthumously, isn't it? Yeah. They don't get to celebrate the... What an athlete, though. Wow. Oh, phenomenal. January 21st, 1958, the St. Louis Hawks forward Bob Pettit becomes the first member of a losing team to win the MVP of an NBA All-Star game after scoring 28 points and grabbing 26 rebounds in the West 130-118 to 118 defeat. The only other times this has happened was Julia Serving in 1977 when the East lost by just one, and Magic Johnson in 1990 when the West lost by a little bit more, 17. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? I, I looked at the box score, certainly of the 1991, and the Magic one just, just so happened that the Eastern Conference was just everyone scoring 12, 13 points, and Magic had a few more. But That yeah. wasn't the AIDS comeback No, that, no was, that was a few years that later. That was 92. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you go. And January 21st, 1986, 100 students from Purdue University participate in the nude Olympics race in 38 degree Fahrenheit weather. That is three <laughs> degrees Celsius for anyone who's uh, not in America. Shrinkage. Despite threats of expulsion from the university, 2,000 people showed up to watch the run, which occurred just before midnight. One runner lost his balance and fell into the crowd, colliding with, of all people, Police Chief John Wood. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Dean. <laughs> well, just as bad. Another student was charged with public intoxication, although it's not clear if that student was racing. There were meant to be more people racing, but with the cold, the field shrunk, and the competition in the race was not said to be stiff. <laughs> There's two incredibly bad jokes. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, they were frigid, but they probably weren't frigid. No, they were not. This Week in Sport History. Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter at Sport Blokes. 